Well, that's a lovely intro. I was waiting for my uh, jazzy music to come on that usually does, but apparently it's not going to do it today, so I don't know what's up. But we're recording. So um, this is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and I am here today on a... Oh, there it is. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe, and welcome to our circle. Well, okay. Uh, again, Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. And we have extra shows this month because we have so many amazing books. And I know that people are looking for gifts for themselves and for friends and just great things to read and something that keeps the, the happiness or gives happiness or an escapism, if you will. Um, and today I get to talk to the amazing Carla Luna. Um, she was born in L.A., Los Angeles, but spent most of her childhood in Vancouver, British Columbia, surrounded by beaches and forests. I cannot imagine a more perfect place. Um, her love for writing started at the tender age of eight when she wrote a short story about three witches who debated the best way to spend Halloween was either riding broomsticks or riding vacuum cleaners. In college, she studied history and archaeology and was fortunate enough to work on digs all over the world, and she still dreams of traveling to far-off places and now channels that into her stories. Her love for romance began when she discovered a rack of Harlequin romance at the local library where she worked as a teen. Um, when she's not working, she works in a spice emporium where she gets paid to discuss food and share her favorite recipes. Her passion includes baking, Broadway musicals, whimsical office supplies, and listening to pop culture podcasts, and she currently resides in Wisconsin with her family and her feisty Siberian cat. Her latest release, White Wedding, a Christmas romantic comedy, is out now, and you can find Carla on her website. And also, you can sign up for her newsletter there. She's also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome to the show, Carla. How are you? Hi. Um, thank you for having me. I'm great. Yay. So I was looking through all your stuff, and I'm fascinated by the Spice Emporium. Um, tell me how you got into that. You went from archaeology and history and then to Spice. So tell me how that all came, you know, how the, the journey there. Sure. Well, it actually was a long gap between archaeology and spice, at which time I had two kids. I stayed at home with them for a lot of years. And then when I decided to go back to work, um, surprise, it was hard to find a job when I'd been out of the, out of the field and not working in my right. field at all. So I just started looking around. I live in a really cute, hallmarky small town. It's the mm-hmm. kind of town where people will come from all over to shop there. So I just okay. started to see who was hiring um, and uh, the spice place, which is a mile from my house, was hiring. And I love to cook, and I love, you know, traveling, and so spices are kind of exotic. So I applied, and I've been there for about six years, and I really love it. So tell me what is the most commonly asked question when someone comes into your store or to the store. Um, so we have four different kinds of cinnamon. We're, we're known for our cinnamon so people will always ask us about the cinnamon, what, what's the best cinnamon, what do you recommend, what do you like. Um, that, we get asked that a lot. Um, the other question that we always laugh about is, well, what goes good on chicken? And honestly, <laughs> chicken is a blank slate. So we, yeah. have, we have like, I don't know, 40, 50 different seasonings and rubs. So I will have to say, well, you know, what, what kind of flavor do you want? Do you want spicy? Right. Do you want garlicky? So those, those are, that's the question we always kind of laugh about. I think it's a legitimate question, but there's so many things to choose from. Right. And I think a lot of times people are just looking for something 
different yet not too mm-hmm. different, you know, um, because yeah. they want to make it a little bit, you know, feel like they've stretched their palate somewhat, but they don't want it to be so far off that they're like, oh, no. <laughs> right. And we have, you know, spices that are kind of the baby steps, like they're a little mix of garlic and shallots maybe or, you know, a little paprika. And then we have so we have Indian spices. We have um, – like, you know, uh, chili powders and different chilies for hotter spices. So you mm-hmm. can, you know, you can go from sort of basic stuff to a little different and a little more experimental, too. So this is fascinating. So now I'm just going to have to come up and see because I love cinnamon. So I'm just going to have to come up and visit you at some point. And yes. what's the store called? <laughs> so the store is called Penzi Spices, and it's actually one of, um, I think there's 60 stores all over the U.S., but okay. it's not like a franchise. It's owned by one guy, Bill Penzi, and our headquarters are in Wisconsin, and our big giant warehouse, the big spice warehouse, is in Wisconsin. And I always dream of going there because I feel like it would be like the chocolate factory and Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory because hardly anybody ever gets to go there. Like it's right. all kind of secret. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. There yeah. was a place called oh, a, um, Adam's. Adam's Extract, which was um, it was it, they had one of their main places just south of Austin, and whenever I drive 35, coming back and forth, <clears throat> you knew when you were getting close because the whole, the air everywhere smelled like vanilla. Like you're oh, driving, wow. and you would just open the windows, and all this vanilla would come in, and it was just everybody knew exactly where. It's like just passing the vanilla place. Yeah, and so it would seem like it would be overwhelming at times. Yeah, it's when I first walk in the store, the first half hour, it's very strong. And then I get used to it. I don't even notice it unless I'm, like, having to, like, clean out stuff and I open the garlic or the chili. But I, it just kind of is in my pores, I think, by this point. Yeah. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. So if anybody's interested, um, and I would think this would make an amazing gift for someone. Like, you could go in and say, can you give me – four different kinds of rubs and you can pick them oh, out yeah. while you're in there. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I was actually called into work this morning for a couple hours. One of our, my coworkers was out sick and we had a lot of people, we have these do it yourself boxes. And so they'd be like, okay, my, you know, my husband likes to grill or my friend likes to bake. Mm-hmm. And so then we help them put together like the best assortment and do their own box. We also have like pre-made boxes, but right. I like helping people put their own together because then they're like, we can customize them. Right. So you've got Penzies. It's P as in Patricia, E-N-Z as in zebra, mm-hmm. E-Y-S dot com. That's the site. So yeah. on, you can go on there and it's company. Right. And you can go locations. And the very first thing it has there is a recipe for snickerdoodles. I'm just about to just <laughs> drool all over myself because, like I yeah. said, I'm all about cinnamon. Um, so I know this is totally off topic because I promise we'll get to your books because you have a lot That's of these funny. aspects in your books. Because you have recipes that you offer your people who sign up for your newsletter. Yes. Um, so, but what is the most underrated spice? You know what? Pepper. People don't really? realize how good, really good pepper is and what a difference it makes to the palate. Most people will add salt to things. And I never uh-huh. appreciated pepper until I started working there. But we have really good pepper. And when you add it, the flavor, it just is really, really good. Like, don't huh. just buy, like, cheap pepper if you can. Like, if you get good pepper, you will, or if you grind your own with a mill, you'll notice the difference. It's really good. 
wow. See, I would have just figured, oh, yeah, well, of course people use pepper, but maybe not in the right amounts. Yeah, they just don't pay attention to it. I'll put a sprinkle on, but when you deliberately add it, and you, I, I like coarser pepper, you can really taste it. Huh. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. This sounds like fun. It sounds like a really fun trip to come up and, and hang out and walk around the spice. Yeah. It's, so it's. I love our our main street is really cute too. We're next to next door to a cupcake store, and we're down the okay. street from a French bakery, and we're across the street from two local coffee houses. Man, that's just completely <laughs> idyllic, isn't it? I mean, all you need is it's like Christmas decorations, a little bit of snow. You know, mm-hmm. it's all exactly. it's all right yep. there. You could just go around and take pictures for everything and, and post them. Oh, yeah. Um, we, have so a, you've got... we have a giant gingerbread house in downtown Cedarburg, too, that, where Santa lives right now, um, a giant okay. gingerbread house. And he's, he's there yeah. right now chilling, visiting with kids. So that's open. It's kind of fun. We really lean into the Christmas holidays. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, how did So I know a lot of people, like, you'll see Disney, because we went on a Disney cruise one year, and we happened to hit it. The very first week, it was the Christmas decorations. So everyone was getting off, and they were taking all the Halloween stuff off. And then when we got on, it was all Christmas. And they set up this huge gingerbread house in the main lobby. And so, of course, every time you'd walk in, it all smelled like gingerbread. Um, is that – I mean, I, it's not real gingerbread, I would assume. No, it's wood. <laughs> we get yeah, too I was going to say, but rain, it would smells be a like big it. mush. <laughs> it's just right. – I mean, maybe if you go in, they pipe in the smell. I have not been right. in there, but um, right. I, it's just wood that looks like gingerbread. Right. So on the trip, the, the ship, but they have a it's a, it's a um, time lapse um, on YouTube, and it's them making actually like the bakers are coming out and bringing oh. um, shingles of gingerbread, and they're all out there. Wow. And it shows the time, you know. And this, but this is in the Floridian um, hotel lobby. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they're in there constantly, you know, touching it up because people are gonna mess right. with it but um but yeah no it's like real ginger it looks like i mean maybe i don't know maybe i'm just wishing it is um but yeah it's it's amazing the smells and everything i mean just it's just cool just an amazing stuff um so now we've talked about spices so you've got you know you're doing all this and you're raising kids and everything you've done all these digs and everything else when did you say you know what i think i want to write a romance novel um i actually started writing about 10 years ago, I decided I wanted something to do in my spare time with, you know, being home with kids. And yeah. I actually started by writing young adult novels, like um, young adults. And I did fantasy. I wrote a fantasy novel and a science fiction one. And But always my books had romance in them. Sure. They always had, like, a couple, and there was always romance. And I started realizing, like, I was more interested in the romance part than like the the science fiction or the fantasy. Like I was really invested in the romance. Yeah. Um, and so so I realized that's what I needed to be doing because that's always what I liked in movies or books. I always wanted there to be a couple. I wanted them to be happy. That was what I liked the most. Yeah, the happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the battle to get there. I you know I people will say, oh, romance, you know what's going to happen. But I love the journey of, you know, either being enemies or not sure if they like each other to getting to that wonderful happily ever after. Right. Well, I mean, it's kind of like we all know that Iron Man's going to win, right? We all know Batman's going to win. Exactly. We all know this. Yeah. We all know this is going to happen. We all know 
you know, Harry Potter's going to win. Um, yep. We all know eventually the dark side's going to lose. I mean, we all know this. Mm-hmm. Um, so why bother right. going, right? Because we already know. It's the same, you know, thing. It's like, well, yeah, so why don't you think the same for people getting together? Like, it seems to me it'd be more believable to believe that a couple would actually get together versus, like, I don't know, a fighting aliens. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Right. But, I mean, I love both, yeah. but, I mean, yes, it's I like, do come too. on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's do. okay to believe in love. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of important. Um, so you're writing this, and so when did you decide, okay, so you're going to write just the romance part. How did you come up with the idea? Because you've got Blue Hawaii is your first book of this series, and then Red Velvet, and now yes. White Wedding that just came out. So how did you come up with that series? So um, basically I, I started thinking – that I wanted to self-publish because I had tried querying. I had an agent at one point. It just never seemed to work out like mm-hmm. I would be, you know, just the wrong timing or whatever. The market wasn't right. And I decided to self-publish, and someone told me, if you're going to self-publish romance, you should have a series, and there should be at least three books, and you should mm-hmm. write them before you decide to st- you push the go button, have them lined up. And uh, that was, seemed really a high bar. But then 2020 happened, and all of a yeah. sudden, um, the store was closed. We were closed for quite a while, and I was out of work, and I knew I was going to get rehired, but I didn't want to look for another job. And I thought, well, I've got this time. And I had already written Blue Hawaiian during um, NaNoWriMo a couple of years back, but I hadn't revised it. And I thought, uh-huh. you know, if I could turn this into a series – then I would have them all ready to go in 2021. And that's what I did. In 2020, I wrote Red Velvet. I wrote White Wedding. And, and after Blue Hawaiian, I thought, oh, I'll stick with the color theme. And the idea was to have three romantic comedies set at three different destination weddings. Because I love a wedding romance. I love, okay. I love those wedding rom-coms. And they would involve one family, the Blackwood family in this case, um, and that they would be, all be tied together, but the books could stand alone. So it's fun if you read all of them because the characters show up again, but you can sure. read them at any time if you want. Okay. So tell me about White Wedding. Sure. So White Wedding is book three, and it's um, the main character. Her name is Victoria. She is the younger sister of Connor, who was the hero of Blue Hawaiian, and she, she's, they're from a very wealthy family, and she was in this sort of arranged marriage with a senator's son who dumped her and is marrying his new girlfriend who's pregnant. And Victoria mm-hmm. is an event coordinator for her family's winery, Blackwood Cellars. And because she owes her father a lot of money, he puts her in the unenviable position of having to coordinate her ex's wedding at this winery. So oh, she's coordinating this Christmas extravaganza um, which is very uncomfortable, you know, with her ex and the bridezilla, the new girlfriend. And to make matters worse, when she, uh, the, the caterer quits because of the bridezilla, the new mm-hmm. caterer, if she finds out, is a man she had a very steamy fling with five years ago in a resort in Baja, but she didn't give him her real name. She had okay. lied about her identity to protect her because she's rich. And so when right. they first meet, there's this like, oh, it's you. Um, so that's hard and they have to, but they have to work together to pull off the perfect wedding. So for Victoria to get out of debt and then for the hero, Raphael, 
to prove himself to his family because he's messed up a lot in the past. Um, mm-hmm. His family owns a restaurant and a catering company. Um, so they both have these goals, and the fun is watching them, you know, slowly get closer again and have to work on all the demands for the wedding, which include four custom-made gingerbread houses, 20 Christmas trees, a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the basic set of premise. Sorry, that was not an elevator pitch. That was super long. <laughs> so um, what um, what kind of um, research did you do for, like, wedding coordinators and, and oh, it's something like so that? Oh, it's so fun. I love <laughs> researching books. So I researched, well, the Raphael set is from a Mexican-American family, so I researched, uh, you know, I like to cook, but I researched Mexican cuisine I went online to different places to see, like, restaurants, like, what kind of appetizers would you serve at a wedding? Uh, mm-hmm. I did a ton of research um, into Christmas-themed wedding favors. Um, I researched, okay. uh, like, I, I always create a Pinterest board. So I, I just did lots of research on weddings and, yeah, Mexican food and uh, wedding favors and Christmas decorations. So anything in that, that manner. And I had already researched wineries back when I started this series so but I did a little more research on that um sure. so yeah it's really fun I love doing that stuff you know I have a lot of friends of mine who do Pinterest boards you know others do vision boards like you know physical yeah. boards um and I, initially I was like it just seems like a lot of extra work but it really does help like you focus on what exactly you're trying to do in a story because there it are does. times that you're and just I, like where I am like I going yeah, I mean, yeah, it like, helps wait. focus. And then I also, for my cover designer, I sent her like uh, a board that, like, a, like a, I took some of the Pinterest board and put it, I made it into like a collage. And I sent her the collage to help her, like, figure out the aesthetic for the cover, which was really nice. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that sounds amazing because then she knows or he knows exactly what you're looking for. I mean, color-wise and yeah. what you're saying and yeah. the theme and the whole deal. So, yeah, that would be that would be massively helpful for someone coming up with it. Um, so do you have other characters that you think you'll spin off on this? Or is this series done and you're going to start something else? Well, I never say never because I do love this series, and there are a few side characters that I could maybe work with. But at this point, I'm going to take a break from it. Um, I liked having it be a trilogy, um, and I think I'm still in the planning stages, but I'd love to do a series that's based on, um, like, a series of archaeological digs. Yeah. So I think yeah. it would be fun to do, not not like adventure action, but more like just romantic comedy, which is what I like, sat at, like, maybe three different digs with a bunch of, like, interconnected students or whatever. Right. What are some of the biggest falsehoods about going on an archaeological dig? The biggest, sorry, what was that? Falsehoods, like people believe it's this, and you get oh. there and you're like, that's not how it works. <laughs> that you're going <laughs> to find treasure. <laughs> right. That you're going to find treasure or like really cool, amazing stuff when really you're going to be like sorting through buckets and buckets of broken pottery. You know, you're basically going through people's garbage. Um, it's, yeah. It's fun because you're, learning about the civilization, but the day-to-day minutia is actually really hard physical work, and a lot of it is kind of tedious, um, and you don't often find, like, amazing, like, lost cities or cool people always will ask me, what's the coolest thing you ever found? And I'm like, well, one time I found, like, part of an apse of a church. You know, it's like not, nothing amazing. Um, right. 
I liked it because I love civilization and history, but yeah, that's probably the biggest misconception that it's just really exciting and action-packed or it's like the mummy or raiders and, you know, it's really not. Well, yeah, I, I remember I was watching something like um, there's a place outside of New Mexico that they do a lot of dig for bones, dinosaur bones. I'm trying to remember what, Shadow mm-hmm. Ranch or something like that. And you go out there and, and you can go out there and do it. I mean, they, they used to be able you used to be able to do it. Um, but you go out there and you see people and they're just like, man, this, you can see the looks on their faces like, man, this sucks. Because we've been just picking yeah. up dirt and like shaking it down. And it's like, it's, I don't know, is yep. this a rock? Is it a bone? I don't know, yep. you know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, you don't always just find a T-Rex thigh. I'm just saying, you know. No, no. <laughs> and that's actually another misconception. People will say, so did you find any dinosaurs? And I'm always mm-hmm. like, um, well, those are paleontologists, and that's a completely different field. It's more sciencey, right. and archaeology tends to be more like, you know, history and anthropology and more humany. So we're not, you know, we some people do study the bones, and they can study like the seeds and find out what was what kind of food was eaten, what kind of animals they were domesticating. But we tend to focus more on like the, the civilization and how they were living and what their structures were like. But people will ask me, would ask me that all the time, like, oh, did you ever work in La Brea Tar Pit? Like, no, those are like <laughs> woolly mammoths. Right. <laughs> no, not my thing. Unless someone had a woolly yeah. mammoth as a pet, not my thing. Um, yeah, it, and it's interesting because I've talked to some several different people, and they were talking about digs in different countries. And um, I like Egypt, for one. There's a gentleman that you see on every single documentary that they've found anything in Egypt. I believe he's the, like the – the curator for the country or whatever and okay, um, yeah, anything yeah. you find anything you find is is his basically i mean it's like that's it yeah. you know oh yeah yeah so it's a whole different set of rules it's like check it out i found this i'm like thank you you know it's like that's basically what's going to happen in those some of those countries right it all it all goes to that country's museum um <laughs> yeah you know you you end up you work on it you study it and then it all gets and probably a lot of it gets put in, in boxes and in drawers <laughs> And filed away, and you know you you do as much studying as you can in the field. But yeah, it 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 goes to the country. Um, so that's that's another another thing. Another interesting thing is that when you work in the United States, you're not supposed to dig up burials anymore. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. used to see like people being like grave robbers and stuff, and it's really not okay. Like now, because of people being more aware of like Native American rights, you just can't go dig up some buddy's grave or the burials anymore you have to be so much more careful and respectful of people's past and their ancestors and stuff like that right right i just i mean i can't even imagine a lot of the stuff we've never found and and we may never find oh Um, yeah yeah is there something in particular that you hope people find in in, you know i i think in archaeology yeah you use yeah, I don't, I don't, it just depends on where, every site is different. Like I worked on a crusader castle and we were just trying to like get to the bottom, like under the dirt to like uncover the base of the castle. Other mm-hmm. times I worked on a um, Roman villa and we were trying to find evidence of like how they lived. So usually they, you come in with a set of questions depending on the site and you try to like get some answers. Right. Um, when I worked in Jordan, we were in the desert that was cool because we didn't know what was there, and we were we were hoping it was evidence of some, you know, trading post, some caravanserai where these camels would come and 
meet up and, and, and it was a big, supposed to be a big trading center and we didn't know if we had guessed it right. So that was kind of fun to work on because we were trying to see where was our speculation right? Was it a trading center? Right. There's there's some that I've watched, and you know, because I, Nat, Nat Geo and you know History Channel and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll be saying, "Oh, look, there's writing." You know, pet, not petroglyphs because that's a different thing. But you know, you'll see writing, and there's and it's and I'm looking. I'm like, I don't see anything. Like, but there, yeah, there, you know, it's like raised. And but I mean, when you know what to look for, um, it's different versus someone like me going, I don't see anything. So. Yeah, Tell me where to put the shovel. levels yeah. too. You know, there's like the shoveling. Then you're sometimes when you get down with your like the little toothbrushes or the picks or little little like <laughs> dental equipment, and then you're really looking to make sure you don't like r- ruin anything. Because that's the thing about archaeology is it's kind of destructive. Like once you've uncovered stuff, you know, it's it's exposed to the elements, and so you have to take, document it really carefully. So you don't just take photos. You actually will do drawings too because oh, they'll wow. show different um, subtleties. So usually you have, like, uh, an illustrator on the staff, and you'll take a ton of photos and stuff because you document it. Because sometimes when a, a site has, like, a bunch of different layers, once you mm-hmm. get through one layer, it's, it's gone. You're trying to get to the earliest layer, so you really have to document those layers carefully. And you're taking samples that whole time and of the soil oh, yeah, and everything absolutely. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I just... It's time, I mean, it's incredibly time-consuming. I think people oh, think, is. oh, yeah, we just go out for the weekends. It's like, no, it's it's weeks, months, and yeah. like Usually a long time. Usually when I would go on a dig in the field, it would be like six to eight weeks. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, what was the um, what was the dig that you just adored? Like, that was the, the best one. Like, you think of it as the most amazing experience. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've liked them all, but I really, my first overseas dig was in Cyprus, which is what I'm thinking my first book would be in the series. And mm-hmm. I think that was my favorite just because Cyprus is like a tourist resort. So we were right by the beach. So we went to the beach okay. a lot. And uh-huh. it was just a fun place to be. Like, you know, there was like, it's, it was the 80s. So then we would go to the disco on the weekends and <laughs> go to the beach. And it was it's beautiful countryside. It was just a really neat experience, and I, I loved what I loved being able to go, you know, from digging then like, oh, we're going to go down and swim in the Mediterranean. Like that was pretty amazing. Yeah, just a little, just a, just a tad. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, my my daughter got to go to France for an exchange program, and I was asking her um, what was it like to swim in the Mediterranean, and she goes, it was cold, mom. It was really cold. So I just had anticipated oh, it. Oh, it would be there. Really yeah, cold. Cyprus, it's warm. Everywhere yeah. I would go, I would. It was it was very warm and it, it's very salty, so it's super easy to float. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize that. So is it more concentrated because it's deeper into the Mediterranean? I don't. I don't know. Maybe um, the other place I went, I I did I did a dig outside of Jerusalem, and I loved living in Jerusalem. I got to live in Jerusalem for six weeks, and that mm-hmm. was really incredible. Like it was it's one of the most interesting cities I've ever been to. Um, and we took a jeep down, and we swam in the Dead Sea, and the Dead oh, Sea wow. is literally dead. It's like mostly salt, so you can't even like you you automatically float. It's so yes. it makes you so buoyant because it's so salty. Yeah, I, I've seen pictures of people just like 
just right on top. Mm-hmm. They're just floating right on the top. Yeah. Um, that's wild. I mean, but with those big experiences and going all over the world, I mean, I would think that would also in help you in all these other ways, like, you know, the the very wide lens that you see the world through. So you see yeah. these different things for books. And then even for, I mean, and it, it can even play back into the spices because you're like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, I had this when I was here, and, and this spice works mm-hmm. great with that, and don't try it with this. And, I mean, all those those pieces of knowledge, just um, you could talk for a long time on all all of it. Yeah, and I, I love that about it. Like when I was I was in Turkey for a while, and I got to go to the big spice market in Istanbul where they have them in these huge, like, barrels, and mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible, like that kind of thing. Um, my family actually lived in India for five months, and same thing. We went to, like, a spice plantation where they had the pepper growing and the, in the cinnamon, and it was so incredible to see that in the wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just not your typical, oh, let me go pick it up off the shelf at the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, this is where we start. Yeah, so I like that. <laughs> I, I love to travel. I haven't done it a lot lately, but uh, once things are all safe again, I'd love to travel some more. So is there you're thinking about doing the um the the archaeological series and so tell me some of the other things that you've you know, you've got in your books so if you do the archaeology series and you've got you've also got the wine series and so you've you've put in there recipes and and food and everything else what has been some of your favorite recipes that you've put or foods mentions that you've had so um, the two recipes that I put on my, I think it was my newsletter, one is that Road to Hana banana bread, which is like right. the best banana bread I've ever eaten. It's so good. And the other one would be I did a recipe, I think a newsletter for um, this, uh, it was like ch- white chocolate, like a raspberry truffle chocolate uh, cheesecake. And that's like one of my oh, wow. favorite like Valentine's go-tos. Um, and then I just mentioned a lot of, whenever I have a wedding, so for example in Blue Hawaiian, I researched like tropical appetizers and I wrote them down and and there's like so many good ones that sounded really great. Um, yeah. Red Velvet was set in Wisconsin, so there was a lot of there's a scene where they go to like a supper club and Wisconsin has this big supper club culture and that's fun with brandy old fashions and cheese curds and um, relish trays like all kinds of things you find in Wisconsin. So yeah, I love to mention food like that and then. In Red Velvet, April is a baker, the main character, so I talk about her baking a lot because she just loves to bake. And it it adds a certain amount of um, layering in, in your story, obviously, because people can imagine, you know, smelling the yeah. cookies coming out of the oven or the bread or mm-hmm. uh, even an experience with a family member, like, making something. Um, yeah. That, that is very visceral and, and adds that layer in there for sure. So... Tell me why the road to Hannah banana bread is so like the best ever. Uh, I don't I don't know what it is. It's just really moist, and it's just really. I mean, I've made lots of different banana bread recipes, but this is right. It's, banana bread is one of my go tos for like a breakfast bread. This is just a really good recipe. And when you're when you're in Maui on the road to Hannah, which is a popular tourist thing, there is this place where you can stop and get this banana bread, and um, I have a scene of that in Blue Hawaiian. And so that's sort of where I got the idea because I wanted to put a recipe with my newsletter, and I thought, well, what am I going to – I'm going to pick something that relates to my first book. So that's why mm-hmm. I picked that one. So 
So if anybody has never been to Maui, there's if you look at the islands, um, you've got a lot of a lot of the tourists and, and a lot of people live more on the west and the middle, and then you have yes. Hana, and so the road to Hana is super windy. So if you can see a map, it's like yes. super, and some of them are have like single lane bridges, so people have to wait for oh, each other yeah. to go. <laughs> it takes like two to three hours to drive like thirty minute thirty miles. I don't even think it's that long. Um, and I thought what was so funny was <laughs> there's all of these there's all of these little um, stands that you can get like ginger candies or ginger tea yes. or drinks because people get motion sick. And um, but it says you know it's just out there and it's just like um, they go by the honesty thing. So they just <laughs> that you're just gonna put money. Yeah, in. that's right. And people yeah. do. But nobody nobody takes the money and they just put the money in and they take what they need and it just it's funny because it's just kind of this honesty thing that they expect you to you know if you need it but I'm not going to stand out here and wait for you to come by so I got stuff to do yeah so yeah it's, it's great <laughs> it's, and it's just um, and yeah. then Hana if you ever anybody gets there Charles Lindbergh's grave is there next to this amazingly. Um, amazing church that's right on a cliff. You can see out to the water. I mean, um, I don't know. Have you been to that church? Have you seen it? No, you know, I did. My husband and I were in Maui for our honeymoon, and we did the road to Hana, and we didn't get that far. We turned around before we got – we didn't do that much before. We were, it was getting – we were like, okay, we need to make sure. We didn't – we had nowhere to spend the night, you know, that oh, – okay. or whatever. We, so we had to get back to our resort. So we didn't go all the way and do everything that you're supposed to do, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's it's kind of tricky. I mean, when we were there, it's, it's been a while. Um, but they were, the friends of mine were saying, oh, yeah, you have to go here and here, and this is the road, and we missed it because it's, it's not really marked. So, okay. um, so we had to kind of turn around and come back because we're like, we're obviously way past this. Um, and then we went back and found it. But it's it's this amazing church in you know, if you've been in those places where you walk in and you can feel the history in it, like, and yeah. maybe I, you know, had had too much ginger tea, I don't know. But, I mean, I walked in and it was, um, but it was it was one of those, like, huge plank board floors and the pews and could hear the ocean and the outside. And, I mean, it was just, it was really just amazing place. I can see why people get very spiritual just sitting in it because, or even around it yeah. on the outside because it's just so quiet. Um and it's just amazing, but yeah, it's a. I, I can I can understand why someone would love being out there, but it is a windy road, so be sure to if you get motion sick, take something because it's it's a lot. <laughs> yes, I actually I even mentioned that too that that the the poor heroine is recovering from a slight hangover, so she has she has a candy ginger, which again is something we I I'm familiar with. We sell it in the store, and we sell. Right. I always take it when I travel. I always have a big bag mm-hmm. of candy ginger with me. And there's another place people go. Did you go up to uh, Mount Haleakala? Did you go up to the mountain? I did, yep. And that's also yeah. in the book. And, yes, I did the sunrise thing where you get up at, like, 3 in the morning and you yeah. take, like, the, a, a tour bus and they take you up there. And, yeah, it's beautiful. And you wait for the clouds to lift and the sun to peek out. Um, and you, it's cold, too. I remember it I is. had, like, a sweatshirt and a blanket. But then by the time the sun gets high in the sky, it gets really warm. Yeah. Yeah, because we well, hiked into the thing, crater and then we were sweating. Well, and the, I think the funniest thing was, so everybody, it was summer, it was in June, so we had to really be up there by five 
5.30 because it's so much close to the equator, the sun's coming up. Yes. So we had to leave at like 2, and we're, you know, driving up here, and I'm thinking, this is crazy. What are we doing? But so we got up there, and um, you know, you've been drinking coffee the whole time because you've got to stay awake. And then um, you're standing here, and it's really quiet. Yeah, and you're above, literally above the clouds. I mean, it's it's literally like you're way up, and it's amazing to see. Yeah. Um, and the sun starts to peak up. Well, everyone's up there in their blankets and cuddled and everything. And this couple from, I'm going to guess, like East Coast, um, she it's super quiet. And she walks in, and in this really loud voice goes, hey, there's some ramen here, you know, Everybody just like shook. It was like, oh my gosh. Um, and then her husband comes in and goes, Why are you so loud? Everybody you know? <laughs> we all just started we all just started laughing to ourselves and so then they decided to stand outside, which was nice. Um and then everybody watched the, the sunrise and was like, Oh yeah and then everybody realizes they have to pee because everyone's been drinking yeah. coffee to stay awake. So there's this mad dash for the bathroom. So yeah, it was it's a it's an interesting process. So just be ready. For that, because that will happen if you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't remember the. I remember just like the the getting up so early part and being really tired. But then and then I'm coming home thinking, oh, I just want to sleep because you know you get home and it's like you get back to your hotel or whatever, and you're like, I need a nap. <laughs> yeah, it's an early morning. It is, and you know if you don't really sleep well because you're worried you're going to oversleep because you know who gets up right, at two. Yes. On purpose, mm-hmm. not too many people. Um, so yeah, no. but it was. I think we came back that day, and just you know stayed in the room with the when the window, you know, the sliding glass door wide open with the hotel, and just listened to the ocean and watch TV for the rest of the day. And right. I, yeah, it, it was a perfect day. It was a wonderful day. So if anybody gets the opportunity, they absolutely should do it. Um, so what are um, your favorite? So it's the holidays, right? So what are some mm-hmm. of your favorite? go-tos for the holidays in terms of like um traditions or movies or oh i'm sorry i'm sorry uh, read my mind um <laughs> your favorite go-tos for uh food for food oh, okay food so i do a lot of baking because i'm a huge baker so i make a lot of cookies and i make you know the, the sort of traditional ones like the peanut butter ones with the kisses i make um, shortbread, I do like thumbprint cookies, I do, um, let's see what else, like chocolate snow, cocoa snowballs, mm-hmm. um, uh, these things called Buckeyes that have like the peanut butter and the chocolate. I do, I make, uh, I usually make cranberry bread, which is like, it's like a breakfast bread with cranberries and it has an almond glaze. I do that a lot. Um, so I usually tend to, I tend to start baking right after Thanksgiving and then I freeze tons of cookies and bring them out. Um, and I, that's one of my things I love. To, I don't do a lot of cooking, cooking, but I, I yeah. love to bake. Well, you, and you have a lot of that on your on your Instagram. You had a post of some of the cookies yes. that you had made recently. Yes, I just made those cookies. Yeah, I I loved uh, that's that's my happy place. Listening to Christmas music and baking makes me happy. So here's another question for you: Is it okay, in your opinion, to eat raw cookie dough? Um, well, I've been eating it my whole life. I, I'm not going to recommend it, but I've been eating it my whole life, and I've been okay so far, knock on wood. Um, yeah. I don't have an issue with it. I know people say because of raw eggs you shouldn't, but I always have to have a little taste. Well, it's funny because I think one of the first times I was making cookies with our girls, um, with our older two, um, my husband 
walked through and I was handing them each a little, you know, a little bit of, of it on the spoon. Yeah. And he stopped. He goes, what are you doing? I said, well, we got to taste the cookie dough. He goes, it's got raw eggs. I went, so? And he's like, well, you can't do that. I'm like, I've been eating this my whole life. I've never gotten sick. Yeah. And, you know, there was this back and forth about it. And, and, and he's <laughs> like, I shouldn't do it. You know, he's just like really distressed. And then um, we went to see his mom, his parents at Thanksgiving that year. And he's like, Patricia fed him raw cookie dough. It, it's something, you know, it came up in conversation. It wasn't like, hi, nice to see you again. And, you know, your daughter's, your daughter-in-law's trying to poison your grandchildren. So, um, but she, she looked at me, she goes, you can't eat that. It's got raw eggs in it. I went, yes, you can. I do it all the time. It's fine. And she, I said, it's really good. And she just kind of sat there for a second. She goes, is it really good? I went, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, but I doubt she ever did it. So. Um, yeah, because what about yeah, those now, athletes that drink like the raw egg drinks, you know? I know. I know. Like, seriously? Yeah. You're going to come out to me with cookie dough? Seriously, I've at least mixed it up, and you'd think the heat from the yeah. friction of all that would kill something. It's fine. <laughs> so, the, it's one, all good. the one thing I was told is when you look at, when you crack your eggs, look at your egg, make sure there's no, like, subtle cracks or okay. anything like that. The, that's, okay. Just make sure the egg is a good egg. That's what's really important. There's less chance of whatever. But I grew up with a kind of family where my mom would, she'd hand us each a, a beater, you know, the beaters. To lick. Oh, yeah, fight for the beater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I grew up that way. I'm like, we were fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the funniest things a friend of mine, my best friend and I did, we, you know, we grew up together. We were at each other's houses all the time. And one year we were going to make, you know, chocolate chip cookies, the standard thing that you make when you're in middle school, right? And so you're sitting there yeah. making it. And, and I said, like, you know what? This vanilla always smells so good. I bet it tastes good. <laughs> She's like, I bet it does. <laughs> Okay, everybody, it does not. <laughs> it does not taste good. It does not. No. At all. <laughs> it's one of those things people will ask us. That it smells so good. We have we sell vanilla at the store. And yeah. people always feel like, oh, it smells so good. And I'm like, yeah, tasting vanilla is one of those, like, bitter childhood things that you find out. And you're like, oh, that was a huge disappointment. Yeah, yes, it is. It really is. And you'd think something that smells so good would taste so bad. Right. It smells really good. Like really good vanilla mm-hmm. smells incredible. Mhm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I cleared my sinuses with it. It was it was not not pleasant. So, but no. apparently didn't kill my love for vanilla. So, that's good. Um <laughs> So we've got about two minutes left. So what's on your agenda for 2022? Um, so I would like to start right. I mean, I, I want to publish two more books, hopefully. And I'm thinking the archaeology series. Um, I've been talking to some friends about maybe doing some kind of anthology. We haven't decided what yet, but I'd love to work on mm-hmm. an anthology. And, you know, maybe write a few more, like, short stories. I wrote this goofy short story about a one-night stand with Santa Claus that – I put in my newsletter, and I left it sort of open-ended, so I'd love to write more about that. It's kind of a my fun side project. Right. Um, and then I'd like to travel some more. I'm really hoping that it's safe and good to travel. My brother still lives in Canada, so I'd love mm-hmm. to see him. Yeah, yeah. So get it, that's get out one of the things them. I'd like to do. Yeah, I really want to wonderful. travel again. I know. It's the- yeah. The itch just to go anywhere is uh, definitely there. So it's it's one of those things I'm like, well, yeah, let's make some plans and see, you know, what happens. And yeah. just buy the travel insurance and, you know, hope for the best. 
Right. I'm really into tra- buying travel insurance these days. You know, I think yeah. that's a good idea. That's an excellent idea. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Carla. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. It was really fun to talk. Absolutely. And then please come back when you've got when you've got more projects yeah. out or you want to come back and talk you about bet. recipes or anything. I'd love it. Oh, I'd love to do that. Thank you. Absolutely. So you've been listening to Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. I've been talking to Carla Luna. Her latest book, White Wedding, a Christmas romantic comedy, is out now. You can find it. There's a link for it in the write-up of the show. You can also find Carla and sign up for her newsletter at her website. She's also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all those links are in the write-up of the show. And everybody, keep on reading and stay safe. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions www.cosproductions.com Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.